It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 781 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, September the 10th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. And you can find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Of course, also, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network, as all the big four sports and a bunch of your favorite college programs are covered, as well as there are a million sports going on. If you like a team in the big four or college, there's a very good chance we have a show covering that team every single day. So go check it out. All right. On today show <sighs> i'm finally calmed down a little bit it took me a while uh it took me some aids last night to calm down maybe the most tense game i can remember watching as a fan of the toronto raptors maybe not the highest stakes considering uh they just came off winning a title last season but everything was involved in the raptors 125 122 win over the boston celtics in double overtime just a truly ridiculous game that had pretty much the entire nba world caught up in the fun and joining me to break down the raptors season saving game seven forcing win is one of our faves from the dishes and dimes podcast and the neon playbook a wonderful newsletter as well it is yasmin yasmin how are you I'm well. Thanks for having me. Uh, very glad to have you. Are, have you calmed down after last night's game? What was your game-watching situation, and have you ever been that uh, just racked with fear and nerves? Because I know that's probably the most like 
out of my own body I've ever been watching a Raptors game. I could not control like the heart rate and the anxiety. I was just kind of like mumbling words and phrases <laughs> while my fiance Alana is just sitting on the couch like, what is wrong with you? Uh, how, how, how are you while watching the game? I, I was giving myself pep talks throughout, like <laughs> not even the players, not like, you know, you got this. So I'm saying, Yasmin, you got this. You can watch this. You can finish this. Because it was exhausting. I was sliding off my couch and, like, scaring my family. <laughs> it, it was just um, – there, there, like you said, there have been Raptors games like that um, in the last season's playoffs. Like, it's scary how much this series is um, – so similar to the Sixers series last season mm-hmm. where you go into the series and you're confident about the team's chances. And then it just turns out to be a matchup nightmare for the team mm-hmm. um, and far more difficult than you would have anticipated. Um, and yeah, that was exactly what it was. Every game is every possession is just painful because you have two incredibly strong defenses and defense can be fun to watch in the regular season, but in the playoffs, Oh my goodness. Like, like, <laughs> Oh God! Like it, it was. Everyone was talking about how this is perhaps like a lot of players watching the game were live tweeting, and they're like, "This is perhaps the best game of the bubble." And I'm like, "I can't. I don't know if I can agree." Like that was terrible <laughs> as a fan. Like that was incredibly painful to watch. Yeah, it was a neutral's dream for sure. Uh, I feel like. Oh, definitely. I'm sure if I wasn't yeah. a fan of either team, I would be in heaven. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I mean, we got to watch Kyle Lowry uh, just wipe the floor with the Celtics, which is always a fun and enriching experience as a Raptors fan. But still, it was I surrounded love how consistent by. That is for Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was surrounded by just uh, fear and trembling and uh, bad offense and excellent defense and nerves for a good solid hour straight in real time i think mm-hmm. um yasmin as we begin all of these game recap podcasts my question to you is what was your biggest takeaway from the raptors three point over double overtime win uh what, what was the biggest reason the raptors pulled this out what was the thing you're thinking about sort of game wise the most after that one wrapped up um my takeaway uh, the, i guess the first half was um i thought it was like the same story again where they come out completely out of rhythm kind of um, throwing away possessions uh, with either missed shots or turnovers. Um, and I don't blame the team. Like when, sh- when shots aren't falling, um, it's really difficult to keep up the energy and the drive on defense. Um, but they found a way. They started to see those threes fall in the second, in the, uh, um, I think it was Serge who had like three consecutive three-pointers. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I guess my takeaway is how consistent Serge has been this series. Um, like I think he's knew that he needed to win this center matchup, and he really picked up the slack for Marcus All. And I don't know, if, I don't think Marcus All is gonna. If they do get past the series, um, I don't think it's gonna be this difficult for him. I think that the matchup with the Celtics kind of um, lob heavy uh, bigs was tough for him, mm-hmm. since he's so low to the ground, but still a really good rim protector. Um, OG has been so incredible this series. Um, my. I think my only criticism of OG in the season was that he has a tendency to kind of fade um, and you kind of forget about him, even though he's probably playing just a very steady, normal OG game. But in a series where you knew that Pascal would be zeroed in on, uh, I think OG has done such an excellent job just finding his spots and taking advantage of the lack of attention and just really just um, thriving, hitting those open shots, you know, finding opportunity for himself. So 
that that has been another takeaway for me. Um, Marcus Smart has been amazing this series. <laughs> that, that was another takeaway. Um, I always kind of call him a spaz on offense, but he's really figured it out this season. Um, mm-hmm. He's uh, honestly like I sometimes grapple with that, and I'm like, what if I think Gordon Hayward playing might have been better for us? <laughs> like, like yeah. our like he is he's he's really giving it to us. Like I was scared of whoever was dribbling the ball near him in a double overtime. I'm like I was worried about if he was gonna flop or if he was gonna um, get the steal or something. He was incredible. Um, his defense on Pascal was incredible. Um, Jalen Brown has really bounced back since his terrible game two games ago. I think the last two he's really given us the business. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, and yeah, those I think those are a few of my takeaways. Yeah, I, I think um, like I mean the biggest takeaway for me is like holy shit, Kyle Lowry. He's, of course, <laughs> that's he's just absurd. Like the the fact that I think Kevin Pelton tweeted this last night. Like the fact that there was ever a notion that Kyle couldn't get it done in the playoffs was always wrong. It was basically looking at one series and like half a series against like the Pacers in 2015 or 2016 mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Very good. Um, yeah, it was just like, it's never been true. He's always been good. He's always been reliable and not to be mean to DeMar who was tweeting in lots of love for Kyle along with literally every other player in the league, which was one of my favorite things of the night. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he was dragged down by a, a supporting cast that had a very, very real ceiling as to what they could do. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I felt so much confidence with Kyle with the ball in his hands last night. Frankly, they should have had the ball in his hands more. There was way too much in the overtimes, particularly the first overtime, I thought, where they were trying to run stuff with Fred and they were kind of running stuff with Pascal, even though that was not working, you know, posting yeah. up Jalen Brown six games yeah. in and a thousand possessions in it's not working. Please stop doing I, that in important <laughs> moments. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly, like, I thought he found some success with it out of the half. I think uh, Pascal had like several consecutive assists for open threes off of those posts up, but I don't like post ups in high leverage situations. Like it's too easy to get the steal, which happened like I think twice in mm-hmm. Um, the overtimes. So I, I don't know why they were running that. I feel like either ISO or pick and roll, which we or pick and pop, sorry, which we saw in overtime. That's where they found the success. But Kyle was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, he has the Celtics number. I think I think it's because they typically have like a weak defensive point guard for the last several years, mm-hmm. starting with IT going to Kyrie and Kemba. Like I think he's just dominated that matchup for years now. Um, and yeah, like this is his series. Like if they get past this maybe the next series will be pascal's but right now the celtics just have too many defensive wings to throw at him uh, and it's really taken him out of the rhythm that he already didn't have in this bubble so i was really happy to see him still keep his head in the game still try his like work his ass off on um defense and Mm -hmm. still get those six assists and still be a plus 12 like that's i think that's the difference between a pascal and a debar that you could still play pascal 50 plus minutes because you absolutely need him on the court Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah those his offense has been brutal um and i really hope that um he figures it out if they do make it past yeah i'm uh i'm with you there i i I kind of want to talk more about Pascal and sort of the lineup that he enabled to to happen when he went late late in the game, when they went with the small lineup. I mean, there was lots of talk about Pascal and his, you know, bad offense, the five of 19 shooting night and all that stuff, but they don't win this game without the defense that that lineup played down the stretch. And we're going to talk about that 
in just a second. But first, I want to tell everybody out there about our friends at DoorDash. You know, if you're a Toronto Raptors player today, you probably do not want to be leaving your hotel room. You're probably napping all day long, as you should be. And you got to order food at some point. Maybe you don't want what's going on in the bubble, and you want to order DoorDash instead and get a local favorite right to your door. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with new contact delivery. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national chains like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities that we operate in safe as well. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of 15 bucks or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code Locked on NBA, all one word. That's five bucks off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code Locked on NBA. Don't forget that's code Locked on NBA for five bucks off with your first order on DoorDash. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, Yasmin, so the small lineup plays the final, I believe, 18 minutes of this game, both overtimes in the last eight minutes of the fourth quarter. Uh, Marcus Gasol, despite actually hitting some threes in this game and forcing Daniel Reynolds, friend of the show, to shave off his beard uh, <laughs> as a result of a bet that he would not shoot two of six from three or better, uh, I'll take credit for inspiring that and shouts to Reynolds for actually I think, doing I think it was it. Iman who said that um, it, uh, this is a drinking game that even Muslims can play. If Marcus Gasol <laughs> hits a three, take a shot, and then he did. So. <laughs> So some sins may have been committed tonight. <laughs> That's so good. Um, yeah, I, I mean, good on Marcus Gasol for doing that, but he did not play down the stretch, despite, I think, a lot of Raptors fans kind of clamoring for it. I know I was because for a long stretch of this game, Norman Powell was not doing much. He was kind of doing his thing where he bricks easy twos. His defense was very undisciplined once again, mm-hmm. and it was just like dumb mistakes and, you know, just stuff that kind of kills you in those in-between uh, transition lineups. And then they stick with them going small, which has been sort of the the limiter on that small lineup this entire series. Like I think we should have probably should have seen a little bit more often, but Norm's been so bad and unreliable that they couldn't, you know, re- resort to that because they couldn't justify having Norm out there over a Gasol or an Ibaka. And with the way Norm played this game, I think that opens up the small lineup going ahead for game seven, for sure. Uh, if you can hopefully get some carryover from Norm figuring things out and looking exactly like he's supposed to. 23-2-1, the classic Norman Powell line. Mm-hmm. Uh, line. It's beautiful <laughs> stuff. Very glad to see it. Um, I'm wondering, Yasmin, what was your sort of read on the small lineup? I mean, the defense was unbelievable, I thought. OG and Pascal in particular were outstanding. Powell did some great stuff in, in one-on-one work against uh, Jason Tatum at times as well. 
And then it kind of, I think, opened up the offense a little bit for those pick and pops you were talking about. You know, the OG3, very clearly a product of going small because OG was working as the nominal center and setting very, very hard screens, the kind of screens that I don't think Pascal Siakam is really interested in setting, which is good. And it's doable for OG because he's a brick shithouse. But yeah, um, he's much. Yeah. 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 I've always noticed that um, Pascal's not the best screen setter. I I think it like takes a lot out of him and knocks the wind out of him. Yeah, uh, but so yeah, what was your overall impression of the small lineup? And uh, I mean, obviously, it got the job done. It's probably a positive takeaway. But what was your roller coaster of emotions watching that over the final eighteen minutes? Um, yeah, I was. I, I think it was after game one. I've been calling for this um, small ball lineup because I think I just noticed that the the Celtics thrive off of getting those switches for um, Tatum and Kemba uh, to get to um, find themselves on Gasol or Ibaka and. Gasol has kind of uh, found um, a usefulness in trapping that pick and roll, but it's a struggle for Ibaka because he drops so low. He's not as mobile, believe it or not. Like all the commentators keep talking about Ibaka's mobility versus uh, Gasol being the traditional big man, but it's it's the complete opposite. Like um, Gasol does a really great job at anticipating footwork, but I think that. Um, the Raptors have found a way to get around that the last few games where they pre-switch. So when they see that Kemba or Tatum are calling for the screen, they'll make sure that Siakam is on Tice so that mm. he can just switch onto one of them. Um, but that takes a lot of communication and mental effort in the game. Um, and a lot of miscommunications can happen and they can get wide open threes or they can find themselves getting you know straight line drives. But um, I think that Nick Nurse knew that it was a high leverage moment and that they, they couldn't really afford those miscommunications. So he went with a small ball lineup where they could switch everything. Um, and it burned them a few times, but I think it was ultimately worth it. Um, I think it was either, uh, it was a backcourt. So um, I think they would get beat off the dribble sometimes by Tatum or Kemba or Pascal would funnel Tatum towards um, OG out of habit thinking that he would have maybe a Gasol there mm-hmm. um, but OG can't um, disrupt a lob and block a layup at the same time like Marc Gasol can so I think you saw like consecutive lobs for Tice there um, but ultimately I think it was the right decision they had ample offense on the court they had switchable defense um, and I would like to see it more I think both teams are going to play like their starters um, <laughs> all game like literally 48 minutes um, you might see um, Norm come in for the centers for stretches, but um, it's all going to be on the starters. And yeah, I expect to see more of that small ball lineup. Yeah, I think, you know, some people might look to what happened in the overtimes with all those tice lobs that you mentioned and say, hey, like maybe this isn't a sustainable lineup and they kind of got by on like will and like grit and all that stuff. But I, I honestly thought the way I was reading those buckets late in the game that I honestly kind of felt like when it was like 110, 106 after two of those tice dunks, I was like, well, I don't see how the Raptors are scoring four more points in the half court to even get this game to a tie before the end of this overtime. And then, of course, they go and score like 19 points in that overtime and, and totally go off because, again, the small lineup kind of afforded a lot more space out there for the Raptors to work with and some different options that the Celtics haven't really seen this entire series. I, you know, I think some people might look at the defensive breakdowns and say you maybe can't run with that over the course of a, a longer stretch um, or, or, you know, really don't want to sort of count on it in a game seven where everything's on the line. 
But frankly, I thought a lot of the breakdowns were just like OG was exhausted and was kind yeah. of like and forced it, to help. Yeah, like the defense in the second overtime, I think on both sides was kind of bad because I think both teams were just like completely dead. And I don't think it's really indicative of the defensive upside of that lineup because I mean, you know, the Raptors didn't score for the final four minutes or whatever, or whatever it was of regulation, but the Celtics weren't exactly, you know, banging it in either that they were, were pretty stale in the, in the late part of that quarter as well, just because of what the Raptors were doing switching wise. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, small lineup worked well when Norm plays like that. I mean, it makes it that much more viable and it gives you that much more creation in the half court as well. I mean, we all love Serge Ibaka. He's been amazing in this series. He's been essential in sort of propping up those lineups he's been in with his offense. But if you can have Norm out there who can drive off the catch and, you know, can pull up and apparently can run an ISO with the game on the line at the end of the first overtime. <laughs> that was a replay of game one oh, yeah. of this season. Just a throwback. Yeah. It's that a, New Orleans game. Yeah. It was a comedic device by Nick Nurse, actually. It was not uh, anything other than that. Um, yeah. It just, I, I think that lineup worked really well. And look, we're, we're not talking about any of this if Kyle Lowry doesn't have like an out of body experience and it's very possible. The small lineup gets killed if Kyle doesn't do what he did. I mean, that turnaround jumper um, was just just killer. Like that's yeah, that's he's been the best Kyle's best series. shot as a Raptor, right? Like that's that's his moment now. If we win the series, yeah, 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 <laughs> that'll be like a career moment for him. Um, yeah, he's been the best player this series, like on both ends. Like I feel like all the stars in the series have had dud games. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they had inefficient nights, but he's been the one who's just been at like his good games are like killer, like yeah. crunch time, clutch moments. Um, he's not afraid of anything. Like for any, I will. I can say the, whole, the same thing about this whole team. Like Pascal was missing all night, but he took that mid range jumper uh, in <laughs> double overtime, and I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this, this team is um, really just fearless. Like, um. I think that if they keep the games close, I favor them in crunch time. You know, is the execution has been like incredible. I think there was only one close game they've lost the series, and it was because Marcus Smart hit five threes in four minutes. <laughs> so, or yeah. was it three minutes? Like it was that that was the only close game they lost, and it required complete heroics by a streaky shooter. So, um, yeah, I've, next game, game seven, if they come out with the same energy, if they come out. Um, with ball movement, um, making sure that threes are open, making sure that they don't waste these possessions, these layups for you know because they want to foul hunt. Um, they, if they keep it close, they absolutely have a chance. Absolutely. And like I, I, I'm seeing a lot of uh, Celtics fans and just writers in general, I guess, talking about how all of the you know the Celtics have had two blowout wins, blah blah. blah. At the end of the day, the Raptors won the last three of the four games and. Both teams have three wins right now, so yeah. you don't win. You don't have extra playoff games for point differentials. <laughs> like, the, the Sixers beat the piss out of the Raptors in two of the games in last year's series as well, or it might have been. Yeah, three like of the this wins, is right? yeah. this is losing by twenty is the thing that the Raptors did even in their um, championship seasons. So um, you don't get extra wins for point differential. Uh, you the both the this is the last six games don't matter now. It's just one game ahead of them. 
Absolutely. Uh, we will continue to look ahead and probably bring for the third straight segment everything back around to Kyle Lowry by the end, I'm sure. Uh, and we'll look ahead to Game 7 in just a second. But first, I want to tell people about Built Bar, which, hey, if the Raptors have a store of Built Bars down there right now as they help to recover from yesterday's game, I wouldn't be upset about it. And they wouldn't be upset either because Built Bars are the best tasting protein bar ever and they have six brand new flavors for you to try out caramel brownie cookies and cream cherry bar sia lemon almond cheesecake carrot cake and apple almond crisp to join their complement of already excellent 12 original flavors which include some of my favorites like toffee almond which is so so good salted caramel mint brownie banana bread they've got some wonderful stuff for you over at built bar bars are covered in 100 chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew they're also great for the health conscious person you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat bars are low calorie low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and they're great for keto diets as well. Uh, for the peanut butter one, for example, you get 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. The brand new Cookies and Cream has 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, and 4 grams of both sugar and net carbs, which is wonderful. And Built Bars on the whole are seven times lower in sugar than Cliff Bars. That is bonkers right now also built bar is offering you a free cooler with a purchase over at builtbar.com while supplies last so get on it right now go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on you'll get 10 bucks off your next order along with a free cooler use the promo code locked on for 10 bucks off at builtbar.com the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Yasmin. So Game 7 looms. I feel like this series has been sort of figured out for like four games now and the terms are very much set. You know, the Raptors being able to go to the small lineup kind of throws things for a bit of a loop as it's a new look, a new wrinkle, a new chess piece that's been moved that I'm not really sure the Celtics have much to counter with. Um, You know, if you are thinking the Raptors are probably going to go to the small lineup a little bit more often in the next game, how does Boston, do you think, sort of counteract that? Do they run out a lineup with like smart at center and bring in Brad Wanamaker, who's been very good, annoyingly good so far in this series? Um, Do they try to sort of fight fire with fire, maybe go with Robert Williams to see if he can kind of, you know, cause havoc on the glass? If you're Boston, how would you respond to this new lineup that the Raptors seem to be able to trust now going into the deciding game seven? Um, I think what you pointed out is um, what what would be the natural uh, response to that for the Celtics. But the thing is, like, they would have to rely on screens set by Marcus Smart and Brad Wanamaker in that case, you know, for Tatum and Kemba. And when it comes to, like, that's how they get the advantages when it comes to driving for those two players. That's how they create space and everything. So... I feel like any response that the Celtics can do would end up kind of favoring the Raptors. I think the Raptors want to dictate the terms of the game, uh, and that would be a way for them. Um, I think they, they've stuck to their guns. They've started with Gasol this whole series and everything. Um, but when it comes, I think they, have, they at least now have an alternative when either of the centers don't have it going. They can go to this um, 
lineup. And if if they're being killed by all of these um, pick and rolls, like they know that they have a viable response. I think that was the use in which, uh, I think that was the usefulness of seeing it for, um, what was it? Was it fourth quarter and both overtimes? Yeah, the last 18 minutes. It's, uh, yeah, so. it's bonkers. <laughs> I think that's the benefit of seeing it in a high stakes situation. Like, you know, that this is a switchable high offense lineup, especially with Norm going. Um, and Norm is like, he's such a confidence based player. So for him to have that stretch, like you could just see it in his face. Like he was relieved and everyone was relieved for him because he was the trump card for the series. Like the whole time I was saying <laughs> the Celt- the Raptors have Norman Powell. That's he's giving them like Gordon Hayward's points off the bench. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's been doing c- consistently the entire regular season. And we know he's not afraid of the moment. But the thing with Norm is, is that he's really confidence based and he's very harsh on himself. So he was kind of in his own head. So I think for him to have that stretch is the perfect confidence booster. And perhaps getting him in the game er- earlier to be with the starters mm-hmm. and perhaps go small a little earlier. Um, and, uh, you know, you still want Surge in there because he's been awesome but maybe match him up against um rob williams who's having a lot of issues with that pick and pop like surge has so much space on those threes and he's been a phenomenal shooter this year so you'd probably want to match him up with that but um i guess for tice you'd you'd want to have a smaller player on the court yeah i uh i concur there for sure i mean norm it's funny i was like kind of almost ready to say play matt thomas in the fourth quarter over norm in the minutes that he would take i was already there (laughs) yeah like and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention matt thomas who you know may not play in game seven at all i i mean it's tough like watching matt thomas last night he was really good defensively in the six minutes he played. And it always feels like Matt Thomas plays more than the five to six minutes he typically plays in this, in this series. But um, when he was out there, he was a plus eight. The Raptors kind of turned things around in that stretch in the second quarter after a really, really rough start. And that's kind of the Thomas effect is, you know, maybe he doesn't touch it often and he only took two shots in this game and he was over one from three. I don't know if he's hit a three in this series yet, actually outside <laughs> of garbage time. And like, so, but the fact that he's, this kind of scurrying around and you can see how worried about him the Celtics are, you know, yeah. that's a nice little thing to bring in to kind of throw the defense on their heels a little bit. And mm-hmm. his defense in the zones have been really good. And Boston, I think the number was on 17 zone possessions last night. Boston scored 14 points, which is really good, obviously less than a point per possession. And Thomas was out there for a lot of those zone possessions. Cause you kind of have to zone up when he's out there just because you don't want him stuck in a situation where he's guarding someone one-on-one in space. But he's so good positionally and his IQ is there. Yeah. Like he might just be a good defender based on his fundamentals alone, despite having absolutely no natural defensive talent, but because he's just there all the time and trying hard, it kind of works. I'm wondering Yasmin, like I, I don't, disagree with nurses probably reticence to throw thomas into a game that literally was deciding the season in the fourth quarter when you know it's kind of like a theory that he's good at defense it's not really a thing you can actually say is true just yet and so i understand why he didn't get crunch time minutes and obviously it worked out quite well because norm was amazing but do you think we see thomas we this has been a question pretty much every game so far in this series but do you think we see Thomas or does the lack of Thomas when this game really got down to crunch time kind of indicate that he's really only going to come in if things get super dire on the offensive end? Yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's the latter. Um, if, if, it, if the offense is really sticky, 
what's nice about Matt Thomas is that, um, of course, he's an excellent shooter, but he if he's run off the line, he has a mid-range, which is money. Like, his mid-range is automatic for him. It's like a guarantee. It's like a layup for him, honestly. Um, his defense is sound, te- like, technically sound. He's not a liability. I don't see him getting just worked or you need to get him off at the next, um, you know, um, transition lineup. Like, you need to get him off the floor, but... Um, I don't know if we see him outside of that, uh, but I, am actually like, I'm excited to see how he, I feel like he's going to be utilized heavily next season for the bench units, because I see a lot of potential in his passing, in his shooting. I feel like you can revolve a bench offense around a guy like Matt Thomas, if he has, um, a good enough screener, because he's not like, um, a Duncan Robinson who's six, seven and can get his shot off over anybody. Mm-hmm. He is a smaller guy and he doesn't get too much lift, but um, I've been impressed like with his passing, with his consistency, with his uh, willingness to play in the system. Uh, I don't think he gets too many minutes in game seven. I feel like they're just going to ride ride or die with the top seven guys um, and work them to the ground. So, um, yeah, I don't know about that, but it's still, it bodes well for his um, future on the bench unit. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I, I think you can kind of see him occupy a similar role to, say, CJ Miles on those bench mob lineups where... You know, there wasn't a ton of traditional shooting in those lineups, but because Miles was out there, there was just enough space. And, you know, Thomas obviously is not the defender that Miles was sort of in his heyday. And he's certainly um, a little bit less proven than Miles. But I I think there's sort of like a similar niche to carve out as the bench spacer for Thomas, considering what he's done. I feel like him and Terrence Davis can maybe, yeah. I think him and Terrence Davis can maybe find a chemistry or a dynamic where they mm. can just kind of wreck bench opposing bench units um, if they play off each other right. Um, but yeah, like I think I think that his offense is the real deal, and um, I think what we're seeing right now is that he doesn't really have any plays written up for him. You know, he just finds mm-hmm. his opportunities, and they're not always there because people guard him so closely. But in the future, I'd imagine that Nurse would have like a couple set plays you know, run exclusively for him. Um, and, you know, so I think that we should keep that in mind as well. He's just a guy who's kind of out there trying to find his spots. Yeah. I, I think, um, yeah. The, the Terrence Davis, by the way, I think should have come in in double overtime just to like scare the Celtics with a guy with fresh legs. That's always my theory in double OT. <laughs> Everyone's exhausted. Just throw in your youngest, least tired guy and see if he can look like uh, <laughs> literally Michael Jordan out there compared to a bunch of dudes who are, are dead tired. Um, but that's besides yeah, the point. Saw- it doesn't matter. We, we don't need to look back to game six anymore. <laughs> It's true. It's over and on to the next. Yeah. So on that topic, let's wrap it up here, Yasmin. Uh, how do you feel about game seven? I mean, <laughs> I don't know how to feel about anything in this series. Nothing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> everything I know is wrong. back and forth. Wrong. But yeah. How do you feel? I thought they'd win in six. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Everything I know with this series is wrong. So, uh, but I will say a consistency uh, that I found in a, a consistency I found in this series is that uh, when the Raptors' backs are against the wall, they they play like they have n- nothing to lose. And honestly, going into Game 7, they're playing with house money. Like, I can't fathom this. They were 0.5 seconds away from going down 0-3. Like, this series would have been an app. Like, I'm sure it would have been a sweep if they had lost Game 3. Um, but to push it to a Game 7 is absolutely insane. Like, the all every ounce of pressure is on the Celtics right now. Mm-hmm. 
because the Raptors, they're playing with house money. Like, they're not meant to be <laughs> here right now. You know, they blew both the, the first two games and they almost blew the third one. So um, I'd imagine that, you know, theoretically, because everything I know is wrong in this series, um, that pressure could really be intense on the young players uh, for the Celtics. But, um, yeah, I, I think that the – I hope that the championship pedigree shines through. It has been in close situations this whole series. Um, I hope that um, they run maybe more pick and roll for Pascal. I feel yeah. like I feel like it's so important to get him going, and I don't know if I've seen enough opportunity created for him. Um, and honestly, like, I can see benefit in that. It's good for him to see – the absolute worst case scenario in in top defenses, you know, for his future, for his off season, I feel like this will, uh, this whole series will end up benefiting him no matter the result. Um, but yeah, so I think we're in for a good game at least. Like I, I know both teams are their backs are against the wall. I think it's going to be a flopping masterclass, <laughs> which Game Six absolutely was. Like there was a lot of flailing limbs and people being swung across the floor. Did you see Kyle uh, when he took a, one to the chin and yeah. he needed the stitches? His body flipped like a ninja. It was <laughs> really impressive. Happened. Yeah, it was, it was impressive. <laughs> I knew he got hurt, but like it was impressive. And Kemba and Marcus Smart, like it, it, it's very impressive. Um, and yeah, I, I'd like to see more um, of that two-man game between our backcourt like they had in game... Uh, four where they were relocating and passing to each other. Like I want to see that that buzzing offense um, because when the backcourt is killing it, it opens up the game for the front court and it opens up the game for Pascal. So that's what I hope for in Game Seven. Um, you know, yeah. just them putting on all their effort and whoever comes out of the series is smacking up the the Miami Heat. Like I don't know why people are talking about rest and nonsense yeah. like that. Like whoever comes out of this slugfest will be foaming at the mouth heading into the Miami series and they they don't realize that these are the number four defense and the number two defense this series and they'll be heading into a number 14 defense with Miami yeah that's uh I like that's why there's so much snakes on these games it feels because it's like there's a path to the finals here that was not there Absolutely. a week ago um I, I think I feel I mean, the way I used to feel dread and despair before Raptors Game Sevens, I feel pretty good about this one. Yeah, you know, they're 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 maniacs, man, and they're like a like a video game villain that you can't kill. Like they they just will not go down. And I feel very good about the pedigree of this team going into a Game Seven. And I also feel pretty good because you just got one of the worst offensive games from Pascal Siakam in a series full of them. I'll, 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 I'll add. Yeah, like that's like, the impressive part. Yeah, th- th- this is one of the worst performances offensively from Pascal Siakam I think I've ever seen. He was really bad out there. At times, it was like back when Bismack Biombo was on the Raptors and would take those weird 18-footers and the no, 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 oh yeah kind of thing. That was like when he hit that <laughs> mid-ranger in overtime. I was just like, well, Pascal shouldn't be shooting anything right now, but he did, and he missed all of his shots. He was 5 of 19. It was bad, and they still managed to win with him having such a poor offensive performance. And yes, there was some hot shooting in this game. They shot 40% from three. They were 19 of 47. That's very good and hard to sustain. But I just feel like the Celtics, A, must be really kicking themselves for not putting this thing away. 
And I think the raptors oh, yeah, that are must just like them. this impossible beast to slay. And I feel quite good about the raptors, at least putting their best foot forward. I don't think we're going to see a blowout either way. I think it'll yeah, be insanely yeah. close. Another nerve wracking uh, scream into pillows type of game. But I feel relatively good, as good as you we can feel in this series. We even mentioned into Game Seven. Yeah, we didn't even mention like Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse will be in top form for Game Seven <laughs> with his <laughs> antics. Like he, he is filling in the role of Drake beautifully mm-hmm. this series. Like just getting into the heads of Celtics fans and players alike. Um, he is in like just tip top shape <laughs> of insanity. Like he's he thrives in chaos this guy um and just seeing him wreaking havoc uh from the coach's box and standing in the corner foot on the line yelling into the ears of corner three-point shooters like <laughs> i was laughing throughout the game <laughs> man nick nurse's swag compared to brad stevens as well is uh one of the biggest mismatches in this series like brad <laughs> stevens is out there dressing like when I first decided I wanted to start to dress like an adult and I just bought things that were too big for me, like half zip sweaters and stuff like that to try to look more like an adult, <laughs> yet I didn't and I looked terrible and I just looked like this uh, dumpy loser. That's what Brad Stevens yeah. looks like. He looks like he's trying to dress like Bill Belichick, which uh, is, is not good energy to have on the sidelines, despite Bill Belichick's many wins. He's a, he's a psycho who doesn't have any work-life balance and will be ultimately the doom of the Patriots at some point. Anyway, we're not going to talk about football. That's for the <laughs> Patriots to talk about. Yasmin, this was wonderful. You got a split. I got a split. But where can people yeah. check out your work first? Um, they can check out my blog. Um, I, I think I have some pinned uh, articles on my Twitter account at Carmelo Drama with an H after the O. Um, and the Dishes and Dimes podcast uh, where we're recording every Monday morning. We release an episode. Um, and yeah, everyone should check it out. Absolutely. Dishes and Dimes rules. It's uh, one of the f- most fun things about this season has been watching all of you take over the entire world. And uh, it's couldn't, been a blast. Be, couldn't be happier to have you stoop down to my dumb level and be on this podcast. So Please. thank you very Stop. much for taking a hit. Uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for today's show. Coming up on Friday morning early, I'm going to drop an episode with John Corrales of Locked On Celtics. We are going to preview all elements of Game 7, dive into it even deeper. That should be a lot of fun. We love John here on this podcast. The only acceptable Celtics fan at this point. Uh, and until then, you can also uh, subscribe to rate and review this podcast. Go check out uh, basketball, which Katie and I are recording today as well. We'll be talking at length, I'm sure, about game six Raptors Celtics and a whole bunch more. And uh, with that, we'll talk to you again on Friday. Have a wonderful day, everybody. We'll talk to you then with another episode of Locked on Raptors. members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.